please open your Bibles with me again this morning to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. This morning we are officially starting the the next main section of this incredible book of Genesis. And we're going to do this by looking at verses 1 to 9 of Genesis chapter 12. The, The prologue. The introduction to this amazing book, which has been very dark and difficult as we have seen sin spreading throughout the world, the prologue is now over and we are now beginning to move forward in a new way. And so let's read these verses together. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Amen. May God bless the preaching of his word this morning. Friends, do you want to hear some really, really good news this morning? I mean, some really, really good news During these days, any good news feels like fantastic news, but I'm not just talking about decent news. I'm talking about fantastic news, life-changing, world-shaping news. I hope you do, because God's Word wants to give you this sort of good news this morning. Here it is. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you and he wants to bless your entire life. That's the good news. God wants to give you blessing. Even as this world explodes all around us, God says to you this morning, I want and I will bless your life. Church, don't we need that today? Don't we need that this year during a time when so many earthly support systems have been, have been ripped from us, we need to remember this morning that, that our faith, our trust in God is not misplaced in the least. The God that we put our trust in is a God who has incredible good in store for you and for me. Do you know this this morning? Do you know that God's heart is to richly and profoundly bless your faith in him? He wants to reward your trust in him. In fact, that's our main idea here this morning. God is eager to bless your faith in him. God is eager 
to abundantly bless your faith in him. He, he knows that faith in him can be hard, that there are many difficulties in trusting him, but he is eager to bless you as you put your faith in him. Here are four points for this morning. Point number one, the call of our faith. Point number two, the object of our faith. Point number three, the blessing of our faith. Point number four, the obedience of our faith. All to see how God's heart is to bless us. Let's begin with point number one, the call of our faith. Look at verse one with me. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. The Lord says to him, go, go out from your home and family. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to many of us here today because we live in a very transient world. Maybe not quite as much as when we were in COVID-19, but, but apart from a global pandemic, coming and going to different parts of this world is not a very big deal for us today. People get transferred for work all the time and they need to sell their homes and move to another location. College students need to leave their home in order to go away to college and then likely move again for graduate work after that. Here in 2021, going does not seem like that big of a deal. And even if it does feel like a big deal to us, technology allows us to stay very connected to the people that we know and love. But friends, we need to think about this text in its context both in the context of the the book that is being written and in the context of that day. First of all, within the context of this book, remember that we're, we're just coming out of Genesis chapter 11 and the Tower of Babel. God has just separated humanity into different clans and tribes. Humanity is is no longer a united whole, but rather a divided people. And therefore, there's a very real feeling of, of vulnerability to humanity right now. And the response to that vulnerability is to begin to emphasize family and tribal identity. Family is everything in the day of Abram. There was security from your enemies found within your family and within your kindred. There was shared provision found within your family and your kindred. There was a future and a retirement plan found within your family and kindred. There's all kinds of, of comforts and support systems within the family unit at that time. In that culture, you did not just leave your kindred in your father's house because you wanted to try a new state out or, or find a, a warmer climate. No, you built your life into your family and into your country. Why? Because it was how you survived. And so for God to call Abram to leave all of this behind, it would have been a remarkable call to faith. Here's what your ESV study Bible says about it. It says, God's invitation to Abram challenges him to abandon the normal sources of personal identity and security, his family and his country. To obey, Abram must trust God implicitly. All human support is largely removed. And so, do do you see how significant the, the call of our faith is here? God speaks to Abram and he says, Go, go, 
Go where, God? Where are you sending me? Why are you sending me? Why would you call me to leave behind what I love and hold so dear? Why would you call me to leave behind what feels so necessary and right in my life? Why would you call me to say goodbye to what is so valuable? Well, friends, we're going to see in a moment why God calls Abram in this way. But it's important to note right now, right in this verse, that this is fundamentally what faith is all about. Faith in God is clinging to him above all other things in this world. Faith in God is to cling to to his word rather than to this world. Faith in God is to say, I don't don't believe that the worldly security is my greatest hope and confidence. My, My confidence is not in my New Year's resolutions this January. My confidence is not in my job performance. My confidence and hope is not in my family unit. It's not in my reputation. It's not in how big my bank account is. It's not in drugs or alcohol. It's not in making sure that I have every single vulnerability in my life fully covered by some earthly answer or solution. No, the call of our faith is to trust in God alone to listen to his word and to respond to his word because we know that he is a greater source of hope and security than anything that this world has to offer to us. And so church, as as we get ready to move to point number two here, let, let me just pause and ask you this question. Friend, what form of earthly security and hope is God calling you to leave behind in 2021 in order to trust him more? Isn't it true that 2020 has left us feeling very vulnerable? 2020 has has left us with very little earthly security to cling to. And so church, what better time to ask ourselves what God is calling us to leave behind in order to cling more to him? And so as you review this last year, try to ask yourself, where did I find my greatest hope and my greatest comfort? What, What kept me sane during these crazy times? Was it God or was it some earthly security? Was was it work? Was it family? Was it politics? Was it social media? Was it pornography? Was it drinking? 2020 was a hard year. And I think that if we were all honest, we would all have to say that there were things that we ran to too quickly before running to God. I know that for me and my family, I I think that we watched more TV in 2020 than the previous 10 years combined. TV was just such an easy way to find rest and to forget about all the troubles of life. And it's not that all those things are entirely bad or sinful, but we just need to regularly ask the question of ourselves, are we trusting in anything? Are we finding comfort and security in anything more than we are in God? That is the call of our faith. The call of our faith is not easy. To be called to leave things behind in this way is a scary and costly thing. But this is why it's important now to to notice the object of our faith. That brings us to point number two. Point number two, the object of our faith. This this text highlights Abraham, Abram at this point in the story, as an example of faith. In fact, all of Scripture speaks very highly of of Abram's faith in God from this point onward. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul speaks about Abraham in Romans chapter 4 by saying this, No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, 
but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. That's a remarkable statement about a man. But folks, I don't know about you, but when I encounter people in my Bible like Abram who are marked by this kind of extraordinary faith, I immediately start playing the comparison game with them, right? Do I have that kind of faith? Do, do I trust God in the same way that Abram did? And inevitably, when I ask those questions, I end up feeling very discouraged, very condemned, because I know that I do not always have that kind of faith. But listen, we have to notice this morning that this text, that in this text, that though Abram's faith is remarkable, the focus here is not only on his faith, but, but also on the author and the perfecter of that faith. This passage is written not just to highlight Abram's faith and courage, but even more so to highlight the object of his faith. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram. That, that, that highlights God's initiative towards Abram rather than Abram, Abram's strength of, of faith towards God. God is the one who speaks first. First, Abram wasn't just smarter or, or stronger or more spiritually inclined than his, his kindred in his father's house. No, it was God that called him. It was God who spoke first. It was God that initiated his grace towards him. In fact, the, the, the order of these words, now the Lord said. Folks, that should remind us of Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, when this entire world was spoken into existence by these words, and God said, let there be light. Moses seems to be highlighting the sovereign, creative power of God. Not only did he create the, the world with his words, but now in chapter 12, after the prologue, he initiates redemption through speaking to Abram in this way. And now, look at verses 2 and 3 as well. In verse 1, God called Abram to walk by faith, to leave all earthly comfort and security behind. But, but here in verses 2 and 3, we learn why. It says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and who, those who dishonor you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do, do you see the focus of these verses? God is calling Abram to walk by faith, but he's making it very clear why Abram can and should walk by faith. The focus, the, the object of Abram's faith is on God himself. The Lord says, I will do this. I will do that for you. Four times in these two verses, he speaks of what he will do. Folks, we don't find explicit covenantal language in this text from God. We won't find that until chapter 15. But the purpose of his words here to Abram are unmistakable. He is making bold promises to Abram. God is committing himself to a plan and to a purpose for Abram's life, to bless him. And, and that is why Abram can walk by faith. He can leave his kindred and his father's house. He can leave that security and that power because God is calling him not to an earthly hope, not to an earthly security, but to the security and hope of his word and his power. Church, listen, the object of your faith determines the level of blessing from your faith. Isn't it true 
Isn't it true that as at this time of year, we're all making New Year's resolutions, and part of making a New Year's resolution is often finding something to help us to keep those New Year's resolutions. And so we all start putting our faith in things that may or may not be able to support us in the days to come. We put our faith in that new diet plan or in that new accountability partner or that new calendar app or that new budgeting tool or that new mission statement for our life. We put our faith in those things, but they haven't proven themselves as being able to help us along the way. But friends, that is not the way that it is with Abram. No, ultimately, Abram can walk by faith because the object of his faith is God himself. And friends, what better object to put your faith in than God himself, amen? There's nothing that compares to him, nothing better to put our faith in than this one. In fact, in the New Testament, in the letter to the Hebrews, the the author of this letter is writing to the church in order to comfort them and in order to encourage them. And in Hebrews chapter 6, he refers back to the way that God speaks to Abram in the book of Genesis as a source of comfort for the church. It says in Hebrews chapter 6, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. There was no greater way for God to convince Abram in this moment that he could be trusted than to say these words, I will do these things for you. Abraham could not have been more convinced if if God had said, I swear on my mother's grave that I'll do these things. Or I swear on my kid's life that I will do these things. Or I bet you 10,000 galaxies that I will be faithful to my word. No, God simply says, I will bless you. Why? Because there is nothing greater to swear by other than himself. And so church, there is comfort and strength for us this January in this. God is the same for us today as he was for Abram in that day. In fact, we have even more reason to put our faith and confidence in God than Abram did. Abram followed God just by believing his word, but we have seen God prove himself faithful to his word by sending his son, Jesus. We now know that, 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 we, might, that we have become a great nation of people who are saved by his great grace. We, we ultimately know that at the end of the story, we will be given a land and a family, an eternal home. Jesus came to fulfill these promises to Abram and to his descendants. Jesus came to bring about this blessing that God spoke of to Abram. Jesus came to prove God's word to be true, and we know that he did. And so, folks, God is the object of our faith. And since he has already proven that he is worthy of our faith, what better New Year's resolution could we make than to draw near to this one? What better goal for our lives could we make than to find ways this year to increase our trust in him and not in ourselves or any other thing? There is no better place to put our trust as we start this year together than in God himself. Nothing else compares to him. The object of our faith determines the level and power of the blessing from our faith. And that brings us to our third point this morning, point number three, the blessing of our faith. 
Looking again at verses 2 and 3, God says that he will make of Abram a great nation and that he will bless him and make his name great. Church, this text, specifically verses 1 to 3, are of absolute importance in our Bibles. Extreme importance. One one commentator spoke of it as of cardinal importance. Another commentator said that it is a keystone text to understanding the rest of the Bible. In these verses, God promises that he will bless Abram and his descendants. In fact, we see the word bless or blessed used five times in these two verses. What, What a contrast to the prologue. What a contrast to Genesis 1 to 11. The introduction to this book has been filled with so much difficulty. It's been filled with so much sin and rebellion and God's judgment and curse against that sin and rebellion. And so what a transition suddenly here in chapter 12 is being made. What what a contrast. These verses speak of so much hope. There's rich blessing and, and happiness spoken of in these verses. And so what we see here is that God's plan and his purpose to bless humanity has not been lost because of sin. God is still resolved to bless his people as he was in the beginning. Now, we're going to consider the details of this blessing, the land and the family and the nation. We're going to consider the details more in chapter 15 because it's in chapter 15 that we see God give more detail about how he intends to bless. It's in chapter 15 that we learn that God wants to give Abram as many descendants as the stars in heaven, and that he wants to give him a land of security and prosperity to dwell in. And what God means by land and a people and a nation and prosperity, that's going to be filled out and explained over time. But folks, all of that can be summarized here in chapter 12 by God saying that he wants to make of Abram a great nation. To to be a nation speaks of having a place to belong, doesn't it? It speaks of having a common language to share together, to having unity, to having a people who know and love you and want to protect you and provide for you. All that God says here speaks of, of security and purpose and identity. This is the blessing of God. God is calling Abram to leave the security of his family in his father's house so that he can give him a greater family and a bigger house. He wants to give Abram everything that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden, but that was lost because of sin. That's what we're going to begin to see at this point in Genesis. From this point on, we see the word bless and blessing used more times in the book of Genesis than anywhere else in the Old Testament. God wants to to restore us to what was lost because of sin. He wants to give to us what our souls so desperately need and desire. Friend, he wants to give you what you were created for. He wants to bless you with his grace. But now... He wants to bless us in a way that we might not expect. He he wants to bless us in a way that is different than our sinful and proud hearts tend to think. Folks, did you notice up in verse 2 that God says that he wants to make Abram's name great? Now, in the context of the story that's being written here in Genesis, what, what do those words, make your name great, remind you of? 
Don't, don't they remind you of how the people at the Tower of Babel wanted to build a tower in order to make a name for themselves? Right? We saw that up in chapter 11, verse 4. The people said, come, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. When, when they say that, when they say that they want to make a name for themselves, they're not just saying that they want to be famous. They don't want to just be celebrities. They don't want to be the latest YouTube star. No, this fame that they speak of speaks of security. Making a name for yourself speaks of power. It speaks of having position and power and security. And so do you see the, the contrast that is being made in this text today? When, when God is making these promises to Abram, he is saying that we can have a name for ourselves. We can have strength and position in this life. We can have a place to belong, a place of security. We can have the blessings of these things. But where we go to find them is what matters most. Do we make our names great or does God make our names great? Do we find security in ourselves or do we find security in him? Faith in God, not ourselves, brings the blessings of God into our lives. Now listen, our... Our main idea this morning is that God is eager to bless your faith in him. Folks, that might be the closest you will ever hear me come to preaching a prosperity gospel type message. Right? I mean, that, that main idea is scarily close to a Joel Olstein book title, isn't it? But listen, there are some key distinctions between our main idea, between this text and the heresy of the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel would say that the level of your faith, the strength of your faith, will determine the level or the strength of your blessing. If you just have more faith, well, then God will give you that house that you want and that new car and that relationship you desire. The prosperity gospel puts our hope and our security not, not in God, but in what God gives and in our level of ability to believe in him. The prosperity gospel is very man-centered. But, but what we see here is that the prosperity that God truly promises to his chosen people is, first of all, not in earthly possessions, but in our relationship with him. This is the blessing. This is the security that we're supposed to have. What we will begin to see as we continue through the story of Genesis, what, what you will continue to see as you read through the Bible this year, is that the idea of this land and being a people and a nation, it's actually going to focus less and less on an actual place and more and more on an actual person. Scripture begins to reveal that these promises of blessing are all about Jesus. He is our home. He is our security. He becomes our family. As scripture begins to unfold, we realize that it's Jesus, the son of God, who becomes our blessing. It is Jesus who becomes our security. Through Jesus, God's, God's entire kingdom and his sovereign rule enters into our lives. And so it's through Jesus that we experience the blessing of God to make us into a chosen race and a holy nation. It's through Jesus that we are, as was read earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It all comes to us through Jesus. And so, does God want to make your name great? Yes, he does. But how does he do that? By hiding you in Jesus. 
by making his name great instead of your name great so that, so that you can find all of your hope and security in him. Our names will become great when we find our identity in Jesus Christ. Listen, God's heart is, is to bless. But it's not always to bless you with a miraculous healing or a bigger house or a faster car or a new relationship. God, God's heart is to bless you in Christ, And sometimes he actually allows us to go without those earthly things because he wants you to find an even greater blessing through having faith in him alone. This is the blessing of our faith. We, we have everything that we need, not, not when we look to ourselves or to our circumstances or our New Year's resolutions, but when we look to God and to his provision for us in and through his son, Jesus Christ. And friends, that brings us to our fourth and to our final point this morning. Point number four, the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. See, the problem with so many New Year's resolutions is that we don't know whether they will work for us or not. Are we going to be faithful to them or are we going to fail yet again? Will that new diet plan actually work or that new time management plan work or are they a scam? We don't have confidence that what we're putting our faith in will actually get the job done in our lives. And so our motivation to continue on can become so weak. But friends, when the object of your faith is not yourselves or not a diet plan, but rather the living God and the promise of your faith is, is greater security in Jesus then you have confidence that your faith will bring God's blessing and strength into your life. And then you can go all in on that faith. And that's what we see with this man named Abram. It is remarkable to see how active, how obedient his faith was. Look at verse 4. It simply says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. He, he went. He didn't ask questions. He didn't test out other options that were available to him. He didn't look for, for, for Google reviews on the land of Canaan. No, he went because he had faith in God. That, that's amazing. And what that speaks to us in this morning is the obedience of faith. Our faith in God is supposed to be active, church. It's supposed to be active this coming year. We don't just say with words that we trust in God and then go about life as if he wasn't there. No, our faith in God and our faith in his word, if it is real faith, is faith that acts. It's faith that moves. Here's the reality, friends. We, let's just say it explicitly. We believe in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We do not earn our salvation. We do not obey in order to initiate God's favor towards us. No, in our passage today, it is God who initiates. It is God who speaks first. But then, our faith responds by trusting him enough to allow our lives to follow his direction. Abram's obedience was active along with his faith. He didn't just say, I believe God, but I'm going to stay here in Haran instead of going to Canaan. No, he went. He, he took steps of obedience. He left earthly security behind in order to trust God for eternal security and confidence. Now, church, this is not always easy to do, but this is what faith is. 
This passage actually highlights the difficulty of this in our lives. This is why I believe we see in verse 7 another reference to Abram's offspring that highlights the problem of of Sarai's barrenness again. She can't have children. That's hard. That's a test of faith. How's God going to solve that problem in their lives? It's also why I think in in verse 6 it says that the Canaanites were in the land at that time. These are the enemies of God's people. Moses is helping us to see in this moment that faith is not always going to be easy. There are many struggles to overcome by faith. But here's the point of verses 4 to 9. These verses are highlighting the obedience of faith. For those who trust in the promises of God, they allow their lives to be changed by these promises, even despite the difficulties. Abram had to know it was going to be hard to say goodbye, but he saw God's word as trustworthy. Church, I I love, I love how this text highlights not just Abram's initial obedience, but his ongoing obedience. As as you read the text here, it says that Abram came into the land of Canaan and he immediately went throughout the land. He didn't possess it right away. It wasn't his. He's only living in a tent at this point. It says that that's not a very permanent dwelling place. That doesn't speak of authority or position. But he passes through the land and he builds altars to the Lord in different places. There actually seems to be an intentional contrast between the fact that he only pitched his tent, but he built altars to the Lord. Abram's going throughout his life, and he is setting physical reminders to himself that God can be trusted. He knows difficulties coming, and so he wants to remember. He built an altar to the Lord in strategic locations in the land because he doesn't want to forget what he knows to be true. He knows the hard times are coming, and so he says, I'm going to set up this reminder that God can be trusted at his word. He claims every area of his life and every area of the land as belonging to God. Folks, that's the obedience of our faith. It is allowing God to direct our lives and then reminding ourselves again and again that he can be trusted when the going gets difficult. Church, how is your faith in God supposed to lead you towards greater obedience this coming year? Maybe you're not even a Christian yet. Maybe this is the year that God wants to save you from your sin and make you a Christian and add you to his church. Maybe you are a Christian, but you have let sin have too much control in your life. Maybe 2021 is supposed to be the year of repentance for you, the year of remembering who Christ is, a year of renewing your love for Jesus. Maybe it's supposed to be a year of renewing your love for your spouse. Maybe it's supposed to be a year of greater purity, of greater self-control. Maybe it's supposed to be the year of greater service in the church or greater evangelism in your neighborhood. Or maybe it's supposed to be that God is calling you to be a more faithful dad. Maybe it's the year to deal with all the bitterness that has grown in your heart towards family or friends or or even to the church. Friends, when our faith is in God, who has proven himself by sending his own son, when our faith is in this one, all of these things, no matter how difficult they feel right now here in January, We have everything that we need for these things. Everything that we need, Peter says, for life and godliness. 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, while speaking about the, the blessing of God in our lives, which he brought to us, he says this. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is the obedience of faith. And church, at the end of the, the gathering here this morning, we're going to take time to pray over anyone who feels like there is a specific area of obedience that they need greater faith for. We, we want to pray that 2021 would be a year of greater faith and greater obedience before God. Folks, there's one more thing that we need to notice about this text. It's up in verse 2. It's up in verse 2 where it says that God will bless Abram and his descendants so that they might become a blessing so that all the families of the earth might be blessed. Church, God is saying to Abram that as he lives by faith and as he pursues obedience, not only is God going to bless his life, but he's going to bless the entire world through him and through his descendants. Through Abram's family, through God's chosen people, ultimately through Jesus who would one day come, but also through his chosen people, the church, God intends to bless the entire world. God says that he will bless us, church, so that through his blessing and through how we live in response to that blessing, the world will see and know that God can be trusted and they too will be blessed as they believe in Christ and see him as the treasure of greatest value. Church, we have a remarkable opportunity before us here in 2021. We have the opportunity to be a different type of people, a different type of church even. We have the opportunity to stand out from those around us. Redeemer Fellowship, let's be a people who live by faith in God and who experience all of his many blessings in and through his son, Jesus Christ, throughout this calendar year. Let's allow his word to reign in our lives. Let's allow his name to be greater than our own. Let's allow his grace to be a greater banner over our lives than sin and condemnation. Let's live in such a way that declares to the world around us that God is a God of extraordinary blessing. That those who put their faith in him are the happiest, most satisfied, most blessed people that there are. Friends, God wants to bless you this morning. This is great news for us today. And so let's rejoice in it and let's thank him for it. Amen.